Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 33, and join us as we discuss, we've got high hopes. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find out all of the other ways that you can support us and you can connect with us. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks and foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of our God You will eat the wealth of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. In place of your shame, you will have a double portion. In place of disgrace, you will rejoice over their share. So they will possess double in the land, and eternal joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. I will faithfully reward my people and make a permanent covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their posterity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a groom wears a turban and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth produces its growth, And as a garden enables what is sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locusts and Honey Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is the Locusts and Honey Podcast. (laughs) Hello and welcome. (laughs) We're two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. What you been up to, man? Oh, just uh, just do my thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I will say we've had, uh, I, I guess, encouragement uh, in the past uh, week um, or two weeks. Our college group has really taken off, I think. Nice. We're kind of going in a good direction with that. And I got a new piano. A heavy piano? A heavy piano. A very large, heavy piano that it's a it's a stand-up piano or an upright piano i guess some people might call them i just call them all pianos yeah yeah (laughs) well this got brown pianos and then you have black black pianos pianos, 
And if you're really rich, you have a white piano. A white one, yeah. yeah. Elton John style. Right. Yeah. So that's what I know about pianos. Yeah. Well, ours is brown. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's the brown actually, sound nice. The black sound better. Yeah. But the white sound The whites really are good. like, yeah, the yeah. whites are like for the, yeah. Mozart's I mean, of the world. Right. It is what it is. It's, you know, it's chill. But you got to start somewhere. So I got a brown one. Well, congratulations. And, uh, yeah. It's um, very heavy. It's very old, come to find out. Mm. So um, I looked up the company that made the piano that we have, which we got for free because people are just wanting to get rid of their pianos these days. It's just kind of an old piece of furniture. And then over the years, no one knows how to learn how to play it. So a lot of people like to, to just, get rid of old stuff just because it's old. Yeah. Sometimes it's got value. Value. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But the company that made my, our piano was only in business from 1896 to 1932. Nice. So our piano, I, I want to look up the serial number on it to figure out when it was made. Let's just assume 1896. Uh, yeah, let's assume that. So yeah. it's 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 at least 90 years old. Well, 1896. Well, and then at the most, it's like 120 something yeah we'll go with that yeah so pretty cool that is cool it's exciting it's not terribly out of tune but i still want to get someone in to tune it they make those tuners that you can clip on your guitar and if you just sit your guitar with the tuner clipped onto it on top of the piano <laughs> <laughs> believe me i did it with my buddy once <laughs> i promise it works just try it <laughs> yeah but record yourself. <laughs> Post it to TikTok. Yeah. yeah. It would be <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. What was that? I need that to be. That was a little wimpy. It needs to be a little louder. Let's see. It was, it would be hilarious. Good. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, man. Everybody's uh, like, oh, no, they got one of those now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to hear the rest of our sounds? <laughs> they don't. No, we're gonna save them. We can't. We can't just give them away like that. That's a letdown. <laughs> All right, we have one more that we will not. We will not play. We, we're not gonna play it uh, <laughs> until this moment. Until it's until the, the time appropriate comes. time. Anyway. Um. All right. So, are you affirming the piano, or that's just a sidebar? <laughs> that's a. That's what I've been doing. Cool. Um, yeah, you asked how I've been doing Do or what I've been doing. That's well, the answer. Let's affirm and deny some stuff. <laughs> okay, before it gets too far. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to affirm the ordinary means of grace. All so right. um, I think there is a temptation in the church today, and we've talked about it in a podcast before, to try to come up with different ways, new ways. By the way, let me just interact. Uh huh. Um, well, I am interacting, but... I'm interjecting. <laughs> the The podcast that you're talking about was called Revivalism versus the... No, it was Extraordinary... Extraordinary yeah. Means of Grace. And versus was, Revivalism, right? Or was it just... No, that was one. And then there was another one that was Revivalism versus Reformation, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We were... Uh, <clears throat> we're too far down the line to remember. They all kind of run together that's, at this point. Yeah, that, that's because we're veterans at this. Yeah, we've been at it for almost a year, so... yeah. Uh, we're basically famous. Yeah. Hey, we did just cross our thousandth download. Oh, well, that is good news. So, um, I guess some people get that a lot sooner. But uh, <laughs> if you listen to why we started this podcast, really, we started it for me and you. Yeah. And our kids and 
anybody in the youth group and that kind of stuff that wants to listen. Um, or when we get the same questions over and over again, we can go back. So, uh, extraordinary means of revivalism. Oh, I see. Yep. Go, so, <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm gonna, drinking my coffee now, by the way, so I will be okay in just a minute. Yeah, full send, full yeah. tilt. Yeah. Um, so, I th- in the church today, we like to come up with new ways to strategize <sighs> and evangelize and um, grow our churches and whatnot that are new for the sake of reaching the culture as it is today. And I would say that what is more the the biblical layout for that is not new strategies and new um, <clears throat> ways of going about what we're called to do as believers, but instead just being faithful to what the Lord calls us to do in church and in uh, ministry and in life, which is what we would refer to today as the ordinary means of grace. So the Lord working yes. through, oh, God. the Lord working through um, worshiping him in song, uh, the preaching of his word, um, the proclamation of the gospel, um, and and allowing the, the gospel to be the power of God into salvation and not the strategy to be the power of God into salvation. You know? Right. Yeah. So um, that's I'm going to affirm the ordinary means of grace. That's my affirmation. All right. I like it. I am going to be affirming. So I was listening to something the other day. Uh, I think actually Doug had said this. Uh, Doug Wilson. He. Made a distinction. To the point where we just refer to him as Doug and everybody oh, knows what we mean. Yeah, old Doug. <laughs> um, but he's talking about the distinction between a job and work. And I want to affirm work. So when you think about it, a lot of people are looking for jobs, right? Um, but jobs are something that somebody else creates and then they're looking a person to fill that position and so you're kind of that cog in the wheel and you just kind of fall into that and here's my job and I'm going to do that. But work is something that God has given us and it's a, a good thing. Adam was working in the garden before the fall. Work is, is, is something that we should all desire and strive for because that's what we were created for. Um, so like when you think about like the pilgrims that came over, there was zero jobs, but there was a ton of work to do. And, um, and, and as Christians, we should be able to make the distinction between a job and work. We should desire to work for a purpose, you know, and that purpose is providing for our family. Um, or other reasons i guess too but primarily you know like when when i'm thinking about going to a job um that's what i'm thinking about and so i'm i'm affirming work and and separating it from just having a job Mm -hmm. um because when i view my job as my work that i'm doing i'm doing that as unto the lord you know we're not called to do jobs as unto the lord but we are called to work as unto the lord and if my job has become a healthy understanding of biblical work, then I can do that as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's what I affirm. 
Yeah. I'll go next because my denial is very similar. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I deny asking the question, what do I want to do or when I grow up, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I guess I word it that way because I work with high school kids, but people that are trying to figure out what do I want to do in life? Um, a lot of times when we word it that way, we're looking at, well, what do I want to do? I want to do this job because this job pays this much, or I want to do that job because that job pays that much. You know what I mean? And so we're chasing a paycheck. I I think as Christians, we should ask not what do I want to do, but who do I want to be? And so I, it applies really well to those that are in middle school, high school that are thinking through what do I want to be? Who do I want to be when I become an adult? But it also applies to anybody. We, we need to be asking ourselves, who do I want to be this time next year? Who do I want to be in 10 years? Who do I want to be in 30 years? Who do I want my kids to be? And, and then that should shape the choices that we make on how to get there. Because if all I'm asking is what do I want to do, then I, it goes back to my whole work versus a job mm. analogy. And so I want to be a nurse because it pays the most. And so then I become a nurse because it pays the most. And then 2020 happens and then I quit because that was right. atrocious and tough. And you know what I mean? Um, but if I want to be a nurse because the person I want to be is somebody who cares for other people in their darkest times or moments, then that is going to help push through long hours and pandemics and whatever else may come. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But so if us as Christians, if if I'm asking what do I want to, what kind of person do I want to be? Well, I want to be a husband. I want to be a father. I want to be somebody who teaches people the word of God, you know, then, okay, I might have to go to school for that. I might have to do this. I might have to do that. I might have to sit under somebody that, um, is is training and teaching me. Um, it just, it it reshapes the whole question and the whole way we think about the future, Mm -hmm. you know? So I deny, what do I want to do when I grow up? But I, my second affirmation is affirming who do I want to be? Yeah. It's good stuff. Cool. My denial is going to be, um, the inconsistency of people at times. Um, and the, the, I guess the, the idea that we're okay with it sometimes as Christians. So, um, I find that, we as Christians can um, see the inconsistency in the thinking of um, non-believers, and we understand why it's there, right? You see, you read in Romans 1, you know, exchanging the truth for a lie, they become fools, right. you know? Um, and, and so you know why that's there in unbelievers. I think sometimes with believers, there is a um, unwillingness to go back and say, okay, if I am believing this thing about God or if my theology says this, 
does that actually produce fruit that is consistent with Scripture? And, and I think that you have a lot of Christians who will say they believe one thing and then live out something that's more consistent with Scripture, but that does not it is not consistent with what they say that they would believe, right? Okay. Um, we talked about this in Sunday school. That's why it's on my brain. Um, but in, in Matthew chapter uh, 7, Jesus talks about false prophets. Um, mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, you'll know them by their fruit. And I was talking to the Sunday school class, and I was like, you know, that will that applies to the prophet themselves, right? I mean, obviously, like, it, it, Jesus is talking about that. Um, but I think it also applies to the theology, you know. Um, will thistles uh, produce grapes, you know? Um, yeah. Will figs come from thorns? Well, no. Um, and I think that sometimes as Christians, we see that and we think through false prophets, and it's like, okay, well, they're false prophets if they don't produce the right fruits and they're false, false prophets. But then sometimes we keep their theology, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then... I don't know. So that's my denial. I, I think it would be helpful for, and and this isn't just for people that I would disagree with theologically. I mean, this is for me too. You know, I think it's always helpful to go back and say, all right, am I living consistently consistently with what I believe? And that can be a two way street. Right. I mean, am I am I producing the fruits that the theology I say I believe in would have me produce? You know what I mean? Well, and I think what happens in our culture is. Uh, we have a lot of people that have itching ears and they heap up for themselves people to say what they want to say. Um, now I think there are a lot of false prophets and by false prophets, I I think there are a lot of people who are teaching God's word that have bad theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you're looking at people and you're deriving all of your theology from just people. Um, and so like I would, everybody that I listen to, there's something that I disagree with them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care who it is. Uh, there's everybody that I listen to. If I listen to their podcasts, if I listen to their sermons on YouTube, <clears throat> if I read their books, there's very few people that I believe everything about God's word the exact same way that they do. And and I think the reason for that is we're all still sinners, mm-hmm. you know. Um we have not been perfected. And so as a pastor, my authority is to teach God's word as it says. Um and, and that's why there's a call to to really wrestle and labor in the word to to be able to teach it as as closely as what God's word says. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I think there's a lot of people that just listen to people that say things that they want them to say. And and so they'll say, well, you know, this person says this, this isn't it. These three things and those things are all true. Yeah, but what they say over here, this is not true. You yeah. know? Um, so I, I think the basis is going back to God's word and that being the foundation for what is true. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties back into what we talked about, letting God's word speak. Yeah. You know, um, because, yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are inconsistent in things. And so they could say something that's true and then something that's untrue, but being able to see how that's untrue and and if what they're saying is untrue affects what they believe to be true, 
that's when I would say you need to kind of right. quit listening to that person because they're believing this, which cancels out all the true things they've said, mm-hmm. you know? But I think then there are some people that will say untrue things, but then they say a lot of truth too. Um, but if if what they're saying is untrue, does not cancel out what they're saying that is right. true. I think this is getting very confusing. <laughs> but, so yeah, yeah uh, everybody's going to have blind spots, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> we need to be listening to people that are theologically consistent. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so speaking of blind spots, let's talk about hope today. All right. I, I've been seeing a lot of different things. There's been a lot of stuff going on culturally. There's been a lot of stuff going on politically. And I've been seeing a lot of Christians talking about, you know, um, well, we need Trump back in office. That's our only hope. You know, mm-hmm. like the hope for America, we got to have Trump in office. If if this current political party stays in office, then, then we're doomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I, I want to tackle the topic of hope. As a human being, where can we find hope? As a Christian, where can we find hope? Should we be looking at hope differently than the rest of the world? And, uh, and so start us off. Let's jump in here. Give me where you want to start with hope. Hope. Um, well, do you want to start off with what we are going to define as hope? And then we can, I don't know, go into what the... Well, let's start off with how do most people define hope? Uh, I would say that most people define hope as um, the like faith in the good of the future. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Like when you boil it down, I mean like you have faith in something good happening in the future or you can say you put your faith in something for the sake of them affecting the future for good. Okay. You know, I don't know. That's kind of off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to so um yeah I think I think people can sometimes have different definitions for it depending on what you're talking about um you can put your hope in something or then you can say I have hope in the fact that something's going to work out just I have hope that it's going to work out right you know um yeah so, so all right so if that example if I'm having hope that something works out. What is ultimately meant by that? Um, like, I guess ultimately that the future will be beneficial to you. Yeah. So you know, there's a whatever. hope that things work out for me. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and so if you look at America right now, more so than before, we're very split on what, Americans want the future to look like. Right. Um, politically, what Americans want the future to look like. Uh, religiously, what Americans want the future to look like. There's 
a lot of people that want to hold to biblical truth and biblical values and biblical, you know, that kind of thing and, and biblical politics, you know, mm. uh, and then there's a, another section of the country that wants to have a more atheistic country. We, we don't want to set our laws and morals upon God and his word. We want to define our own morality. And we want to, in, in turn, once we define our own morality, then we want to legislate our own laws on what we deem to be morally just and right. Right. And the that divide is growing wider and wider. We've seen that with abortion. We've seen that with all kinds of things. Um, and so I think that there's, and, and I've been seeing this more, well, I mean, you saw it before too, but I've been seeing a lot more people that are Christians that are, if you would talk to them, they would say, yes, I would agree that my hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, they would agree to that. But then <clears throat> because of the news and how it's built to work people up into a frenzy and they've always got to have you watching so that they are getting more views and all of that, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are looking at things that are going on in the world, whether it's what's going on in China right now, what's going on in Russia right now, what's going on with viruses, what's going on with famine, what's going on with this or that, you know, uh, what's going on with the FBI and Mar-a-Lago and Mm -hmm. Second Amendment rights and abortion and LGBTQ issues and social justice issues. People are looking at all this stuff and they're saying, my hope is found in my guy sitting in as president and and legislating morality for us Mm -hmm. because the other side is immoral and they're backwards and they're so like most most democrats are saying if republicans get in office you got these backwards people that are going to regress us a thousand years and you know you've got patriarchy and you've got you know, us being ruled by some ancient biblical book and you've got all this stuff, you know what I mean? Um, And then you've got people on the right that are saying, you know, we've got the far left that's ruling and they're trying to legislate morality based on atheism. There is no God. It's actually demos, the people are God. And what they vote to be morality, then we're going to legislate, you know? Mm. And, um, but... I guess my thing is we as Christians should think differently. And it goes back to consistency, what you were talking about. If we're Christians and if God's word is the truth, then we should be the most theologically consistent people because we know the the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've read the truth. We believe the truth. And we should act on the truth. So that's kind of my biggest thing in all of this is there is, and I'll kind of spoil a little bit of my big crescendo, but there is a covenant of hope in scripture Mm -hmm. and we should trust in that and 
hope in that instead of hoping in a person. Right. But we did it two years ago. We were hoping in a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And before that, we're hoping in whatever it is, we like to put our hope in other things. Right. The problem with that is Exodus 24 and 5 tells us that when we put our hope in anything else, that's idolatry. Right. And um, and so we like to be idolatrous people and then get so perplexed when God punishes us or when his judgment falls on us for disobeying him, you mm-hmm. know? So I, I would say <clears throat> politically, we deserve God's judgment. Um, morally, as a people, we deserve God's judgment. The church in America deserves God's judgment. We've we've all we've failed in a, a bunch of aspects of mm-hmm. who we are as a people. Um, we look a lot like Old Testament Israel, where God's blessed us and then we've hoarded it for ourselves and you know, tried to collect it up and we're not trusting the Lord and we're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And we're putting our hope in things that are going to be destroyed. We're not putting our hope in the creator of all things. And we need to repent for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of what this comes down to um, is that, at least I feel that in the past, you know, several generations at least, the church in America has um, almost abdicated a lot of their call um, from Scripture to be the church in America. And I think that um, instead what we've created is a culture of church that is in itself um, not even... (laughs) biblically church it's it's more so just you know social gatherings and yeah um you know that that type of thing i think that's gone on for so long that as christians we've lost sight of um or a lot a lot of us anyways have lost sight in the true hope of the gospel and um for that reason we've put our faith in um in demos really or in um, well, and, and really too, it's, it's affected what we think is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, kind of like what we talked about last week with the pirate ships, you know, you, that was two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We have, uh, you know, we, we, we think it's good for us to just preserve and preserve and preserve mm-hmm. and preserve and preserve and never actually spend for the sake of the gospel. Right. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think what has happened in the past several years, the Lord has really shaken things up uh, to the point where I think a lot of, a lot of people and Christians who were just doing church for the sake of doing church have either left or are really in a tough spot right now. Um, But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, when I think about it, I'm like, okay. Where does Christians putting their hope in the wrong thing come from? Ultimately, ultimately, it's a lack of trust, mm-hmm. right? Lack of trust in God's word and what he says to be true or a lack of understanding. Right, yeah, um, lack of knowledge of what God's word yeah. promises. Yeah. But then that falls on us too. Right. We should be in God's word to know God's word. So I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. So I'm going to kind of give, lay out the covenant of hope mm. because 
it is our hope as Christians. So it starts off. Sorry, I had to get my paper. So the covenant of hope, it starts off with two statements made regarding hope and the future. And I'm going to start off too by kind of talking about a book that I've affirmed before in the past is. Just the uh, Joseph Boot. Right here. Oh, Joe Boot. Uncle Joe, if you're listening, we appreciate you guys. Um, But this is The Mission of God, A Manifesto of Hope for Society. It's a really good book. Uh, It's put out by Ezra Press, which is a part of his Ezra Institution. Um, But I would really recommend it. So one of the things that he talks about is this covenant of hope. But there's two statements made regarding hope and the future. The first one in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, and what it says basically is that God judges idolatrous hearts and its impact affects three to four generations. So Exodus 24 and 5 is the Ten Commandments. And the first commandment is that we should, um, basically what he says is, if we have these idols and if we have idolatrous hearts, then it's going to impact three to four generations. It's a it's a promise, and then there's a, a curse that comes along with that. Do you have that passage up? Yeah, I've got it. Right Can here. you read it? Yeah, so Exodus 20, starting in verse 4, it says, <clears throat> You shall not make for yourself the car- a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. In verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the, gener- on the children of the generate of on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Yeah. So basically, what I was saying is, God's uh, He judges idolatrous hearts, and it impact uh, the impact of that affects up to three to four generations. But then the second statement is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. And there it tells us that God blesses those who love and worship him to a thousand generations. So we see these two statements and we see these promises that come with each. If we are worshiping other things, if we have idolatrous hearts, there's a curse for three to four generations. But if we love God and we're worshiping him as he desires to be worshiped, there's also a promise of a blessing for a a thousand generations. And so by God's grace, the church makes up these people. And something that I wanted to bring up today, which I think is really cool, and this is where our covenant of hope can be found. How much you know about Jubilee? Jubilee? Yeah. Not much. How much you know about the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee? Uh Uh-huh. Or the Messiah's Jubilee? I mean, I've read about it in Scripture, but I I haven't really studied it. So let's look at this, because I think this is a a very good place to start with this conversation on hope and us having a covenant of hope and us being 
reformed. So by God's grace, the church constitutes the people of Jubilee. Uh, Jubilee, when you look at like Isaiah 61 or when it talks about Jubilee, you're looking at uh, a time that the people have the Lord's favor. It's a time of blessing, a time of restoration, that kind of thing. And so Isaiah 61 is what I opened with. But Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4, I'm going to reread those. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and will restore the former devastations and will renew the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. So that passage is the Messiah's Jubilee, right? Um, but something that's really cool in Luke chapter four, verses 16 through 21, what we see is Jesus is just starting off his ministry. He goes to Nazareth and he's teaching in the temple. And so I'm going to read this real quick. So Luke four, verse 16, he came to Nazareth and this is Jesus where he had been brought up as usual. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written. <clears throat> and so now he's about to read Isaiah six. Um, I mean, Isaiah 61, sorry. So he's in Isaiah 61 and here's what he says. He opens the scroll to where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and to restore the sight of the blind to set free the oppressor and to claim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone was in the synagogues were fixed on him. He began to speak by saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. And so what Jesus is doing is Jesus declared the arrival of the Jubilee in himself. He said, um, he, he reads from the scroll, Isaiah 61, which is the Messiah is going to bring Jubilee. And he says, he reads it out. And then he says, uh, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. And so, um, the covenant people in Christ are now the people of Jubilee and first John chapter five, verses three and four. John tells us that the victory is ours in Christ as we walk by faith and obedience to him. And so through faith in Christ, this law and this gospel, it is hope and victory for time and eternity. You know, so we've got, going back to God's promises, those that, that hate him, there's a, a generational curse 
of three to four generations. But those that are his, those that love him, those that are the people of Jubilee, there's a covenant promise of a thousand generations. You know what I mean? And and what are the people of Jubilee? It's it's a time of restoration. It's a time going back to Isaiah where he's talking about there's going to be, you know, um, Isaiah 61 verse 4. Specifically, it says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And I think there's a lot of defeated Christians today. There's a lot of Christians, when they look at the future, they're, they just they see bleakness. They yeah. see misery. They see all of that stuff. But the church is a people of jubilee. The church, Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. Right. And we are the body of Christ. We are the completion of that fulfillment. And our hope is found in who Christ is. Our hope is not found in ourselves. Our hope is not found in a government. Our hope is not found in this or that. Like as Christians, we should understand that Christ is over government. Christ is over disease. He's over famine. He's over war. He's over pestilence. He's over all of these different things. And our hope is only found in him. Mm -hmm. And if we take our hope off of him and then say, well, okay, I agree, right? Matt and Andrew, I hear you. And I agree that Christ is over that. But my hope is in the fact that I want God to use this person to do that. Well, Mm -hmm. if we're trusting if we're saying that and we're talking about a political figure, then we're still not trusting God. We're still trusting right. that person, you know, to, to legislate morality, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but the church needs to be engaging the culture with the truth of the gospel so that we can allow Christ's word to be the standard for what is morally right and what is morally wrong mm-hmm. and not the people's opinion, you know? Right. Um, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's really cool about um, the Messiah's Jubilee. I had not really looked into that a ton, but that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we are in Christ and we are the people of Jubilee, which means that even in the bleak moments, you know, that would seem bleak, you know, right. um, we still have joy. We still have hope because our hope is found in Christ and um, ultimately in the fact that he reigns, you know, right. and he is sovereign over all things and he is making all of his enemies a footstool under his feet, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I think what really made me want to even talk about this, when I see people saying, well, we need this or we need that, like, I hope that this happens. If not, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. Then what we're saying is, I don't trust that God has brought this about. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think, I think a lot of people don't believe that though. I don't think they too. believe that, but yeah. they're acting like they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like if I'm saying. No, I'm saying, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people believe that God brought some oh, of these things about. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's another. So like if yeah. I'm saying I need such and such to be the president or we're doomed, then what I'm saying is my hope is in that person. Mm-hmm. My trust, my faith is in that person. I've made that person an idol. Right. You know? And, and so, um, like, you've got these never Trumpers, and then you've got these forever Trumpers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, people that live and, and die by whether they love him or hate him. Right. I think that when he was president, he did some really good things as far as, like, 
who the Supreme Court Supreme Court yeah. justices are and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not somebody that's just I've got to have Trump. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think there's inconsistencies and 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 things like that with what he was doing, and I want to be president, whoever the Lord has in store for presidency. Right. So what does that mean that I don't vote? No, I look at God's word. I look at how he's defined what is moral and what is good and what is true. And if God has established the government, there's a standard for what the government should look like. And the person that lines up the most with that is the person that I vote for. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes we don't get that. And when we don't get that, it's because... God's judging us based on us as a country, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think our current administration is a judgment of God. And I think that it couples with 2020 and all the craziness that was there. I think there's all these wars going on. I think there's a lot of shaking that's going on in the world. And I think that's because God is judging us. And so that is the perfect time for the people of Jubilee to understand that there will be rebuilding of ancient ruins. There will be restoration of former devastations. There will be renew and uh, renewal of the, the ruined cities and the devastation. There will be renewal of the devastation of many generations. That brings me hope. Mm -hmm. That brings me peace. That brings me joy. I don't know what's going to happen as far as wars. I don't know what's going to happen as far as who's going to be the next president or, you know, what laws are going to be made or overturned or this or that, but I know that God's in control of all of it. And my hope is in him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's what we as Christians need to, to truly believe that when things look bleak in the world, it's because God is allowing it to do that. And so not even allowing it, but God is, he's, he's bringing judgment on a people for something. Mm-hmm. So we need to be the first to repent and we need to be the first to trust him and to know that he is in control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I have so much more peace in knowing even that God brought it about than believing that he didn't. Right. That <laughs> because he's, at that point, like... Yeah. You know, well, and that's I mean, what gets me. So like when know? I hear these people and they're like, well, I keep using this because this is what I've been seeing the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Um, the FBI raided Trump's house because they don't want him to be president. And if they succeed, then we're doomed. Our whole future, our country's doomed. Because the, what we're saying is if they succeed, the they is more powerful than God and what he desires. Right. You know? And, um, and I would say, no, what we're doing is we've made an idol mm-hmm. and we need to quit worshiping that idol. We need to quit putting our trust in that idol. We need to quit putting our hope in that idol. Our hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mm -hmm. It should be in nothing less, you know? Anything else that we put our hope in is a lesser thing. And even if not Trump, then, like some people would say, well, I'm saying that not because of Trump, but I'm saying that because of the future of, like, well, the precedent that that sets. Right. And it's like, well... I, like, I, I see that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, like well, it's a concern. But that goes back to pirate time, ships. Like, that yeah. goes back to the pirate ships, you know? Yeah. Uh, institutions can crumble. Institutions can fail. Right. You know, um, America, uh, 
as we know it could crumble. Right. But that does not mean that the church is not going to continue to thrive and grow. I think right. we've talked about this before too, but like, you know, in, in the aftermath of, of a, a crumbled people. So like, look at Rome, mm. you know, the church thrived as Rome was falling apart. Right. You know, or you can look at other nations that have crumbled the, the structure of what made up that nation. So America might not look the same in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but the people of the Lord are rooted in him and were planted in this fertile soil of a collapsed civilization that allows the church to grow. You know what I mean? Because our hope is not in the government. Our hope Mm -hmm. is not in these institutions and these structures that we've built. Our hope is in Christ. And if we can use the institutions to glorify him, then I think that's great. But once we start worshiping the institution and it starts getting all of the service and the glory, which is what we talked about in pirate ships, once we start just conserving for the sake of conservation, then that thing needs to be destroyed so that something more healthy can grow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of my call. That's my argument is we need to have hope, but our hope is not that America continues to look like what I think it should look like, but that America will look like what God wants it to look like for his glory and that I will be a part of bringing glory to him, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where my hope is. My hope is in Christ. It's not in a political party. It's not in an idea. It's not in this or that. My hope is in Christ and his word. And if my hope is there, then I can have security in that hope because I do have the covenant of hope that he's made. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's good stuff. Thanks. You're good stuff. Thanks. (laughs) There it is. All right. (laughs) Well, this has been another episode of the Locust and Honey Podcast. If you're still here, we love you guys. We do, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What do you have to say to them? Yeah. Tell them how much we love them or why we appreciate them. We appreciate you because we are ultimately doing this for the sake of glorifying the Lord, but also for the sake of the edification of the church. Those people are very loud. I know. And with your support, we were able to get this thing no, to, we annoy you. to make these noises. <laughs> so, all right. Why are you yelling? <laughs> so, so, anyway. All right. Sorry, guys. Um, we have yeah, a new toy. <laughs> I know. I hope that this conversation was edifying. This one was not as planned out. It was more of just a, a kind of back and forth discussion with me and Andrew on this topic of hope. But I hope that this is something that you think about yeah. um, because it is important. And we do need to put our hope in Christ. Otherwise, that is idolatry. We have idolatrous hearts. And in worshiping him as he desires to be worshiped, there is a generational blessing for thousands of generations. And my desire is that my kids and grandkids and their grandkids and their great, 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 great grandkids are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. And I want to live life 
to kind of draw it all back full circle where we started, what do I want to be? Not, you know, who do I want to be as a person? Not what do I want to do? I, I don't care about just having a job so that I can provide for my family. I want to be somebody that is seeking after the Lord for the sake of my great, 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 great grandkids, mm-hmm. you know? And so rather than just providing my kids with a comfortable life, I want to raise them so that they're raising future generations to seek after the Lord too. Yeah. So, but that all is the foundation of that is our hope being in Christ and what he's done on the cross and that he is King of Kings and that he is Lord of Lords. We talk about Matthew 28 all the time, all the time, but if we truly believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, go therefore and make disciples, it changes the way that we act. It changes the way that we live. It changes what our hope is in. It changes how we see the future and how we're worried about things that are going on. Don't listen to the news cycle. Their job is to try to make you scared. Um, listen to the one who is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. Um, because our hope is built in him, our security, our joy, our confidence. He is our strong tower. He is our source of strength and knowledge and wisdom and peace that passes all understanding. So, all right, everybody, if you're still here, we appreciate you guys. We're glad that you're here with us and uh, hope that you have a good Lord's Day. We will see you next week. That's all right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.